it's all those signs that there's content chaos or the content is completely out of control where they would get the most benefit from a content strategist so that they know that they won't just get a new website that's going to just deteriorate as soon as it's launched because everyone's going to be able to just start putting stuff up, that it's going to stay nice after it's launched and not deteriorate and last longer because there's content management in process based on a strategic plan. From Bright Umbrella, this is Control Clickcast. We inspect the web for you. Today, Carrie Hain joins the show to break down content strategy. I'm your host, Leah Alcantara, and I'm joined by my fab co-host, Emily Lewis. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to remind our listeners about our Patreon. For just $5 a month, you can help us keep this podcast going. In return, you get access to our private Slack, where we chat with other listeners about episodes. And if that's not your speed, we have lots of other rewards. You can pick what's best for you. Visit patreon.com slash control clickcast. So today we're diving into content strategy, which is a topic that we've mentioned on the show, but we haven't had a completely dedicated episode to it. And it's about time. Joining us today is Carrie Hain. She helps organizations organize content to be more effective and engaging. For 20 years, she's alternated between in-house web content lead and consulting, putting together teams and creating processes that stick while untangling information to make it usable and ready for the next frontier. She's also the co-author of Designing Connected Content. Content. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about yourself? Yeah. So in addition to being a content strategist, I'm a mom of two teenage boys. One's a few months <laughs> away of being a teenager, but he's more of a teenager than the older one. So that <laughs> keeps me busy um, and keeps me from having any hobbies or other things <laughs> <laughs> that I might like to do. But no, they're fun. Um, we're enjoying this age and so far. And uh, yeah, we get out when we can. We like to travel and we're planning a European vacation this summer. Ooh, so fun. It's going to be fun. So I mentioned in your bio, you've been doing this for about 20 years. How did you get started working on the web? By accident, uh, like so many <laughs> other people who have been doing this for so long. I was in my second job out of school, and I was the director of communications at a small association, and it was 1998 or 99, and um, this new website stuff was happening, and so I was responsible for putting up our first website, and it seemed like something that would take me far mm-hmm. as the dot as we were entering the first dot-com boom, and uh, turns out it was, so I just learned what I could and kept going from there and entering the web editorial world, uh, which at that point was really just a webmaster, jack of all trades, Mm -hmm. doing everything. And then slowly winnowing that down to content as everything matured and we all developed specialties. Mm -hmm. And even vocabulary to describe that stuff. Right. 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 So speaking of vocabulary, why don't you define for our listeners, what is content strategy? Yeah, so 
my definition of content strategy is getting the right information or making a plan for getting the right information to the right people at the right time. And I think that planning part is so often missed because content strategy really is the plan itself. And But right. we can also do content strategy. So I also differentiate between having a content strategy, which is that plan for the organization, and then doing it, which is all the tactics mm. um, that make up a content strategy practice. And those include all the things you're familiar with, like content audits and site maps and maybe user journey mapping and messaging architecture and voice and tone guides, but also things that are more content operations and engineering, like structured content and metadata strategies Mm -hmm. and taxonomies Mm -hmm. and setting up the CMS to make sure you can manage your content easily so that you can keep the strategy going. I mean, how you describe it, it sounds like it's very much a part of every aspect of a digital project. And yet I think most people might not view it that way, at least in my experience, content is always by the client relegated to some like afterthought. And that strategic aspect is so, so, so critical for success. When you're working with clients, do they get this kind of concept you've described when you introduce it to them? Or is that something that it's a process? So I'm lucky because pretty much all the clients I work with come to me and ask me to help them get Mm -hmm. their content in order. Right. So they already, they might not understand what that entails, but they know they want to do it. So there's not, I don't have to to convince them that they need to do it differently. They're ready for that. So in that respect, I don't have to, that's, that's not typical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is something, it is always a process because it really is change. A lot of content strategy work these days is change management. You can only get so Mm. far with changing your website to be organized differently or putting the right content on a website or in your app or in your social media channels. Eventually, you have to change your process and how you think about content as an organization. And that goes way beyond any technology or communications and to the heart of the culture and structure of an organization to make sure you're approaching your content holistically. So that's ultimately my goal when I work with clients is to help them see things differently and shift their Mm -hmm. process so that no matter what, even after I am finished with my engagement with them, they're thinking about it differently and they've worked with their stakeholders to, to think differently so that they'll you know, if they're the web manager, they'll be approached earlier about adding content to the web. Or if they're the communications director, people will ask them to help with this blog post that they're having a hard time with or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's kind of a, I talk about it in a, as a three-pronged approach of people, process, and systems. The people are the hard part, but they're involved in the process. Mm-hmm. And, and then of course the systems do whatever you tell them to do. So they're easy. (laughs) So your clients are coming to you. So they already know that they need help with this. But as you were describing, this is just 
like you said, a lot of change management. You also talked about culture. Those things are also sensitive for organizations to handle. So when you get into that, do you face any kind of misconceptions from the client saying, well, no, we didn't think that was going to be part of this? Or even from like a designer or a developer who may be in-house or perhaps, you know, contracted to work with you, that their views of content strategy are filled with some type of misconception about what it is. Yes, that does happen regularly. More, not so much with the client point of contact that I have, because they're the ones who want to do this. I want clients like this. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, these are magical clients. Where, where do they come they, from? They, yeah. they are magical. But yes, once we get beyond that, there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of misconceptions. So stakeholders, I address that early in the process to get them aligned really around the user, which is the shift is thinking from the user's perspective, not from the organization's perspective. And just kind of hold their hand through that process. And usually that's not too difficult because I'm also helping, asking what their goals are and telling them we're going to help them achieve them. Mm -hmm. So that part is probably easier than the designers and developers because they have their own process and they're used to doing things a certain way and I'm disrupting that because I'm doing content first. And if I'm doing a full redesign project, it's from a content first approach. So usually the client will bring in a a separate design and development partner. So I've already done a lot of the, the content work and the content design and say, okay, here's what we need to make a website to showcase. And we try to make that clear before they're signed on. But there is a lot of hesitation of like, what am I supposed to do with this? And so I have to, again, hold their hand, guide them through it, show them what has been, how it's worked before. Also, I need to kind of be open to changing some of the ways I work right. so that I, you know, fit in with them. There's a, it's a collaboration and neither of, and, and I don't do handoffs. So I'm not just saying, oh, here's a bunch of documentation, see what you can do with it. I'm saying, okay, here's what I have so far. Now it's time for us to work collaboratively and iteratively so we can make this content come to life. I'm a little bit surprised that in your experiences that the development agency or the agency in general is is surprised when you come with them with content information right away. Because in our experience, maybe because we're a smaller agency, our problem is there's no content. Mm -hmm. And so we're starting from pulling teeth over, okay, here's your goals. I understand your goals, but how are you going to try to achieve that with content? Are you going to write anything? Do you need us to find someone to write something? We're usually starting from zero. And in my perspective, I'd be thrilled (laughs) if the first contact I have with a strategist is like, there's a plan already. (laughs) I can work with that. So I'm a little bit curious over specifically Are the hesitations that these agencies have with that plan? Is it because they didn't make the plan themselves? So to clarify, none of them are like, oh my God, you have something already? (laughs) They're happy to have something, but they kind of just don't know what to do with it, Mm. right? Because they haven't had it before. Right. So that's where (laughs) the the trying to match up our processes and, and way of thinking happens. 
so that that's really what it is. It's it's introducing them to a new way of approaching it because they're so used to having nothing or doing the full project. Then you know, as part mm-hmm. of an agency, right. if it's a full service agency, they usually start with the user journey mapping and the site map and things like that. Right. So that's really where it is. It's it's not so much a oh I can't believe we're doing it like this. It's more like I've never done it like this. I need to understand how this is going to work with the way we're used to working so that they can plan differently. And my hope is once they work with me and my team, that they won't want to go back to (laughs) working without content. Mm -hmm. So we all understand the value of not just content, but a strategy as it relates to that content. And your clients are coming to you knowing they need something, but for those who don't understand this. For example, the three of us bid on a project this past year where we were introducing content strategy to them for the very first time. And so in those situations where someone just does not understand the value of it, why should clients invest in this mindset and this approach? What are the benefits to them? Well, it is an investment. It it will give you a much better return on that investment. Because so the way I look at it, the main benefit, if you're looking at it from a business perspective, is it saves you time and money. The adding content strategy doesn't necessarily add time or money to a project. It shifts it. Mm -hmm. So because it shifts things earlier and you have a plan that you implement in the build Mm -hmm. rather than getting to build and then making the plan And then maybe it works. And then maybe you have to go back three years later and redo things. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you get caught in that cycle. So you're in a three, two, three, four, five year cycle of spending a lot of money to redesign your site because it's not working, which really just means it's not giving your business a benefit. Um, It literally works. People can go to the website. It shows up on a browser, but it's not providing the organization with the revenue or cost savings that or engagement, whatever it is, their mission is that they're looking for. So ultimately, it is a cost savings. No, I may not say that it's not a cost savings. It's not short term. Um, Mm. Long term, it saves you money. Short term, it's not going to save you money because you have to do it. But it keeps you from that redesign cycle and makes your users more engaged and because they can use the site, they're getting what they need Mm -hmm. from you, whether that's because your search engine optimization has kind of organically naturally happened because you have the right content for the right people. So it shows up in search engines, you've coded it properly so that search engines can actually crawl your site. But even once they get there, it's, oh, this is exactly what I needed. Mm -hmm. And so they're inspired to donate if you're a charity organization or to join if you're a member organization or to buy something if you're a retail organization. Whatever Mm -hmm. it is, that content is a means to an end. And your website is the container for that content. It's the face of your organization. So all of that can happen up front. One client I'm working with now, they're a fundraising organization. And so we're thinking of the website as a fundraiser. It's doing mm, yep. the same work as the people who are called fundraisers. And so we're thinking of it like that. I had another client who wanted their website to take the not take the place, but act as a full-time employee because they could process orders and memberships 
and answer questions and all of those things. So it really creates an efficiency and should lower the number of calls to customer service if you're doing it right. I love what you're describing as a way for an organization to not view their website simply as just a digital brochure, but as something much more meaningful to their business, describing it as a fundraiser or as an employee who can process orders. It seems to me to put a lot more value on what that website is if you take it from that perspective. Yeah. And there's another content strategist, Hillary Marsh, who I'm friends with and I've collaborated with in the past. And What she says is the content is the way your business manifests itself. And if you think of it like that and not just as marketing or communications, that is a different way of thinking about that. And that comes with all the benefits that comes with that. So it's also hard to quantify the benefits Mm. because it's not a one-to-one. Like if you write your content this way, this will happen. If you structure your content this way, this will happen. It's more organic and intangible, but over time you can see that, but you have to set the measures. And I think that's another thing that people don't do and why they don't get a return on their investment is they don't know what it's supposed to do, but the content is a surrogate for something else. So if you put the measurements in place, say, okay, we want to increase online donations by 30% this year. Okay, now that's something we can measure And we can set goals like, okay, this type of content should generate more donations. So you can start measuring that right away and make adjustments if it's not going towards that 30% increase. So yeah, the main benefit is increasing revenue and then saving money because the management of the content when you have a strategy and a plan and processes in place to manage it is become more efficient. So the people now who might spend a lot of time coordinating all the content can focus on developing new programs or whatever it is that only humans can do and that they do best instead of trying to figure out what's going on somewhere else. I would also imagine it would add efficiencies or I'm not sure if that's the right word, but Having a strategy that's clearly mapped out for the website or really any part of a business, but gives the people who are spending time on the website a clear direction. Like you said, they can spend time authoring, they can spend time planning, but it's guided, it's based on a goal, it's measurable. We have so many clients who are like, oh, let's try this thing and we build it. And they try it for a little while and it doesn't work out and it gets completely abandoned. And so avoiding cutting back on those situations also has its own kind of efficiency, I would guess. Yeah, because you learn and so you don't do the things that don't work Mm -hmm. anymore. And instead of just saying, hey, let's try this, if you're experimenting is fine. If you know what you're trying to achieve and you can measure the success, you know, it's kind of that fail fast mentality, but you have to know what success and failure is. And then to be able to learn from both, either the success or the failure and and apply that to other things that you do. You know, it occurs to me, we haven't asked a basic question that I do think comes up when Leah and I talk to clients. Content isn't just copy, right? Right. The way I define it is substantive information that's delivered via a medium. So it is words but it's also images and graphics and video and podcasts and other audio files and PDFs and more documents, all the different, all of that stuff, webinars, courses, 
other types of training that you might have, board documents, all of those things are content. And all of that needs to be thought of at least as part of how it might be integrated into the overall strategy. Well, what I've been hearing throughout this entire conversation as you discuss and explain what content strategy is and how it actually benefits the organization Whenever we talk with clients who are not familiar with content strategy, I think the disconnect is that they actually have not tied their website or their digital presence with their organizational goals or movement. And this is so top of mind for me because I I just did like um, a discovery call with a client of ours and they're in the middle of just strategy sessions for their organization in general. And then I asked them the simple question, how does the website fit with this, you know, new strategy? And the answer was silence. (laughs) Like literally they did not at all think about their digital strategy, how their website fits with furthering their organizational goals and their current goals were mostly just based on communication goals or assumptions about what those communication goals are even about. So it's interesting to me because as I was discussing all of this and we're discussing budget as well, I feel like the more you explain how the website can be a vehicle for greater organizational goals, like you mentioned, like increasing revenue or increasing donates or getting more whatever the engagement it is that they're lacking, then the organization or the company is a lot more willing to set aside the money to do that because now they understand that their digital presence is aligned with their umbrella organizational goals. And that's all tied to digital content strategy. Yeah. And I just saw something this morning on LinkedIn. Someone was commenting on this and I've said the same thing before is up until now, for the most part, digital has been a separate It's a separate strategy. It's a transformation that you have to make. And a lot of times it's associated with information technology and computers when digital is really a way of thinking. And in 2019, it cannot be separate from your organization. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) It's not this fad or a trend. It is something that's fundamentally changed how the world operates and has to be incorporated into the business. And we have to stop thinking about the websites or our other digital communication channels as something separate to be managed. It has to be something that is incorporated into how are these things going to help us achieve our goals and understanding the customer and focusing around whatever that customer is, whether they're members or donors, whatever you want to call them, your audience, there's a hundred other websites they can go to probably Mm -hmm. if yours doesn't meet their needs and they're not going to care what you say or what you do if you're not meeting their needs. So that's a, a thing. And some companies are doing that, but that's a huge sea change that needs to happen in the business. And I think there's the beginnings of it. And there's certainly organizations and people who get that, but it hasn't I don't think we've, we're even close to the, to most people making that. Mm -hmm. Some people are still thinking about a mobile strategy. (laughs) 
And as we see things shift, you know, I think the mobile, when smartphones became something that most people had, people were catching up because they didn't think that, oh, no one's going to want to look at my website on their, on that tiny little screen. Well, guess what? (laughs) And so I hope that we learned from that as as a society or as a, a business community to say, you can't just ignore something because it seems like a trend, you know, and so now we're seeing that with voice and chatbots and artificial intelligence and machine learning, all these things that are on the horizon now, I think fewer people are ignoring them. And I think that's where I know for me in focusing on that back end of content strategy and the operations and the systems and the engineering, I'm helping people be ready for that next frontier. Mm. And I think that's scaring people enough to pay attention to content and digital more than they did before because they're like, oh my God, how am I going to have another channel? I can't hire a whole other team. We have to make this part of our ecosystem. I feel like that's a almost answers the next question I had for you is, you know, what makes a good content strategist? What a client should look for? I guess to me, it sounds like someone who has that perspective. I almost want to say bigger picture because you can see down the road, but it's not really that it's creating a really good foundation so that whatever does come down the road, you're able to adjust more easily, more efficiently to. Yeah, I think Thinking of the good content strategists that I know, and there's a lot of them out there, I think what we're good at is asking good questions and the right questions. We don't have a lot of answers, <laughs> but we know what questions to ask because it's not right. It's not us. It's the client that we're working with who has to answer the questions because the answer we're always going to give everyone is, and you probably do too, is it depends. So we ask the right questions. So people who know what questions to ask and asking good questions that you can't just spout off or, you know, like not asking what your revenue is, but what are your organizational goals and how does a website meet those? (laughs) I mean, any digital professional should ask that, but certainly a content strategist. I feel like we're also pretty nimble in that we can shift because as we go through discovery, what we think we're going to find we often find something different and it is a process. So we constantly have to shift based on people and systems and events that happen. So someone who's not just married to a plan and it's going to go A, B, C, D. And if it doesn't, then it does not going to work. You have to be able to go A to B to D and back to C. So being nimble that way. And I think having, like you said, that a little, a broader focus. So A lot of people, as you said, think of not just content as copywriting or the words, but content strategy as copywriting and the words. And it's so much more Mm. than that. So a, a good content strategist, and there are different types of people who focus on different aspects, and they are best for different types of organizations or different types of problems that organizations have. But someone who has that broader view of all the things, so they know what they can do best. They can do the things on the the edges of their expertise, but also bring in other people if they need to, or recommend that you bring at a client, bring in someone else and have those connections for the company or the organization itself and with the community to be able to find out what's going on and be able to keep up with the trend. So I think that's just another characteristic of a good content strategist is knowing what's going on now why it is the way it is and where things are headed. And 
again, that's kind of any profession is you want someone who is who keeps up with the industry itself. So you don't have to because whoever is hiring you has a job and they keep up with their profession, probably whatever that is, whether it's communications or marketing or fundraising, they have their own professional community and we do as well. And, um, and it's part of that broader user experience community. So that led me to think if, if that's what makes a good content strategist, is there such a thing as like a standard good content strategy or does it fall in the it depends category? Are there like basic fundamentals that would be part of any good content strategy? Yeah, there are certainly things. So it answers the who, what, why, where, when, and how. How that looks has a lot of different things. You know, understanding you have to know who the audience is and for your different channels across the organization, wherever you're publishing content. So that's the who, why, those are your goals and what, where, when, what type of content you need. So that gets really deep. We have Mm -hmm. content types, messaging, voice and tone, all of that, where and when, where, you know, is your website the best place? Is social media the best place? Is email the best, whatever that is. And then when do people want it at midnight, their time on their phone, in the airport, in a coffee shop, at their desk, all of the above, you have to, to think about that. So having a documenting all of that is a good idea. I myself and a, a lot of content strategists that I talk to regularly don't really deliver a content strategy anymore as a document. It's more of a, it's identifying and and understanding all of that, but doing that pretty collaboratively with the organization and the stakeholders at the beginning of the process and documenting things. For me, that ends up kind of all coming out in a content strategy statement that summarizes all of that. This website is going to provide this type of content for these people that will help our organization achieve these goals and make our audience feel this way. So it's, a, it's kind of a Mad Lib that has been developed a long time ago and has been used by a lot of people. But that kind of, it, and some people call that the compass or the North Star. But if you keep that in mind, that, that's that summary of your strategy and then whatever supporting documentation you need. But I talk about things too as artifacts. So we've documented who your audience is. We've documented what your goals are rather than delivering a 50 page report that usually ends up sitting in a drawer somewhere. So creating a lot of living documents that people can refer to at different points in the implementation. So I'm curious about that different points of the implementation. You know, just based on this discussion, it sounds like a content strategy should start at the very beginning of a website project in the life cycle of a website project, but that's not always possibly when they contact you. Is there any other place where content strategy could fall in a life cycle to be productive? Yes. So ideally, it's you start at the beginning. That doesn't happen very often. So you really, you can start at any point doing pretty much anything. So you know, I've come in to help people add a section to their website. They're mm-hmm. maybe converting something from print and they want to make it interactive or there's a new initiative and they need to put it into their website. So we just deal with that specific content and work it into what they have, even if that might not be ideal. 
you can start with rewriting your content from a user perspective. If you can't touch anything else but the words, you can think about those strategically and see what matches. So you could do an audit. You could do a messaging architecture. You could do a voice and tone guide. You could just do plain old editorial guidance and governance. You can shift how you set up your CMS so that you have more structure to your content and it's easier to manage. So there's so many other ways to get started. And I think that's the important thing is to just do it. Just get started wherever you can. So if you're the director of communications at a large organization or a small one, and you try, you've you fought to get a content strategy and you keep getting shot down. Well, what can you control? Can you control all the new content? Can you control how you work with the authors of that content? You know, whatever it is, do it. And, and a lot of good content strategy work comes from small successes that mm-hmm. expand. I know a lot of people too have found, and I did when I was in-house at running the web department at an organization was finding allies and working Mm -hmm. with them and their content because they got it. They're like, yes, I would like to have more members. Let's work together to do that. And then we could take what we worked on together because no one else cared about that and say, look what happened. You know, we got, we increased our donations just by changing how we approached our content or we increased registrations to an event because we told people all the things that they needed to know about the event and made it really easy for them to register. So there's always a way to start. And there's always, there's nearly always someone else who will get it and that you (laughs) can work with to be an ally and a champion for it. So in terms of kind of what you described with the allies, do you approach the content strategy differently if they're on the more creative end of things, perhaps like a marketing director versus maybe the director of IT who you might work with on the CMS? Or is it a consistent approach? Well, it's probably more consistent. I was going to say, no, it is different, but it's probably more consistent than I think it is. The way I think about content is very structured and organizational, just because that's how my mind works. So either way, I'm approaching it from there, but how I talk to people is going to be different. So yeah, uh, working with a marketing director is much different than working with an IT director. I haven't worked with IT directors for a long time. But I hear that CMSs are kind of going back into the world of IT so that they can integrate with the other systems better. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. It probably depends. It's just the it's the approach and getting to understand what their goals are, what their limits are, what their understanding is and how that fits in with the rest of the organization. So there's never a time where I'm working with my point of contact where we don't talk about other parts of the organization and how that Mm. fits in and helping and for me to help them find the right allies if they don't already have them or helping them sell it to an executive, you know, to get beyond whatever their maybe Mm. small budget is. So yeah, there is different ways of approaching it and different places to start depending on the type of person you're working with. How about the type of team size? Like, Does that flex if you're dealing with a smaller team versus, say, like a really large organizational team? Yeah. So with large teams, I'm more likely to do training for them than actually do a project because the large teams have the people to do it. They just need to learn the skills and to shift their process 
Whereas somewhat a small team of one or two people clearly doesn't have the internal resources to do things, but they also don't know what they can achieve and what Mm -hmm. they can do. Those are usually completely different projects and I scope them differently from the start. And also what I would really love to be able to do is have some of these questions to figure out all of this stuff before I start working with someone, but there's so much you don't know until you start working Mm -hmm. with people. Yeah. There's completely different approaches for the, not just the team size, but who the team is. Is it a design team? Is it a web team? Is it a marketing team? Is it an IT team? So those types of of things are really going to change from organization to organization. How about a little bit of like the flip of that when you are working with these teams, uh, let's say a designer developer team, let's just take a lay myself, for example, if we are working with you, uh, bringing you into a project, what are the things we can do to best collaborate with you? Or even, gosh, let me take a step even before that. How do we know when we need to bring a content strategist in? And then how do we work with them? To know when to bring a content strategist in, I think almost always. <laughs> <laughs> but even beyond that is if the organization, the client you're working with really just doesn't fundamentally understand that content is important or they're frustrated with the organization of their content and they're complaining that that's their main problem. People can't find things. Or maybe they're complaining about their internal process. I have 100 people who add content. And so it's just out of control. And I, I don't have control over that. That should never happen. Um, it does happen all the time. And that's something I know I had that I've had that and I've talked to other people who have been able to gather that, <laughs> gather that together to much success. So there's things like that is just those signs that that nobody's managing the content and nobody's really thinking about it. That may be a little bit harder to bring a content strategist in just because they aren't already thinking about it. So you kind of have to convince them. But understanding the benefits say, oh, hey, I noticed you have 100 content contributors. Why is that? Would you like to have less? We have a way to, you know, we can bring in some help with that. So it's all those signs that there's content chaos or the content is completely out of control where they would get the most benefit from a content strategist so that they know that they won't just get a new website that's going to just deteriorate as soon as it's launched because everyone's going to be able to just start putting stuff up, that it's going to stay nice after it's launched and not deteriorate and last longer because there's content management in process based on a strategic plan. And when we know that that's a fit and we want to bring you in, is that something that you like to kind of establish what the processes are going to be with that team in advance, separate from the client? Is it all done together with the client? Like what does collaboration look like when you're brought in by like another agency who wants you to add the content strategy piece to the project? So it looks different depending on if the client brought me in and then brings in a different partner So that's what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation where there's like, oh, I'm not sure how this works. So ideally, it's a collaboration ahead of time where we've already talked about our process. We see how they map together and we can stitch them together. You know, similar to what you were saying when we pitched on a a project last year, we talked about that all ahead of time. So we weren't stepping on each other's toes. 
Um, for me, like working with you as designers, I knew someone was going to be able to kind of catch the content I gave you and you knew that there was going to be content to catch. So ideally, it would be a partnership ahead of time. That rarely happens because client doesn't necessarily know that they need to have a content person along with a design and developer because everyone thinks that they can do content. Yeah. Yeah. Content <laughs> looks easy. It's, it just is hard, but no one thinks that they can program. Uh, right. right. I'm sure some people think they can make visual design good too, and they can't, but fewer people do that. Like it kind of is a spectrum, but most people think that they can make the content and that that can wait till the end and someone else will deal with it. Oh, you know what? I need to bring in a designer now, or I need to bring in a researcher. I need to bring in someone else, whether that's a content, me as a content strategist, I need to bring in someone else or you as designers realize you need to bring in a content strategist or a user researcher or a different type of developer or programmer. And then for me, I rely on my network for that because I have the broad network of those other complementary professionals who understand the importance of content, but don't do the content. And so we can create a collaboration pretty easily because we're already aligned in goals and what we want to accomplish and the focus on the user and things like that. So that is more like, okay, here's what I've done. How can you help me? You know, mm -hmm. how can you extend this? So for those agencies, those developers and designers who want to know more about content strategy, they already are invested in the value of it, but they want to understand more. What are your top resources for them? My blog, my book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, my book, The Designing Connected Content, has been a really good gateway to designers, especially developers, actually, CMS developers, because what they have said is it gives them a way to talk about things they knew was important, but mm -hmm. didn't know how to talk about. Mm -hmm. For designers, um, the book is focused more on the system, but when I talk about it as con using content as design material, that makes more sense to designers. So I did a webinar on that for the User Experience Professionals Association last year. So that's online on YouTube. I, obviously, my stuff, I'm, I write about this, these things. But there's a few other people who are writing about content strategy. There's the Gather Content blog. Gather Content is a pre-CMS production, content production tool, which I love. I don't get a chance to use it often enough because my clients are fairly small but that they have uh, all kinds of, of content strategy materials. They do regularly do webinars and blog posts from people in the community who are designers, developers, work with all of those people so that it's a real cross-section. The other place where there's a good cross-section is uxbooth.com. It's an online publication with, again, all, all the different things. Smashing Magazine also will talk about content strategy from time to time, but there's actually a really good article about showing how the content is important from the front end developer's perspective and how if you think about it ahead of time, you can structure your HTML and your CSS to be, first of all, accessible naturally, but also to make sense and be more configurable. So there's several, I think those are some of the, the big resources that I turn to over and over and share with people when they're trying to understand 
the connection in ways that I haven't done and, you know, come from a different perspective for people who get content strategy, but don't practice it. And they just use that in their work. How about resources for maybe people like clients who you want to educate about content strategy? Is it a different type of resources that you share with them? I have you know, a, a few select articles or blog posts that I've written that I'll share with them to explain something specific because they're having a hard time understanding it. But from the client's perspective, I haven't really tackled that because I think this is a gap in the resources that are out there is making the connection from people who need content strategy and general digital strategy to the people who do it and what and how it can benefit them. You know, I'm trying to fill that gap, but I can't fill it all by myself. So that one's a little bit harder. And the problem, actually, I just recently did a, a content strategy for associations research study with two other strategists, and that will be published soon. I think that will be a really good resource for folks, not just in the association community, but for all industries, because the problems we found that the challenges that exist in the association world exist everywhere. It's just that we were funded by (laughs) the association community. So that's going to be something, but that was one of the things that we found in doing that research is this gap. And just like we said earlier, like the silo, like the people who get content strategy Mm -hmm. uh, get it, but they're separate from the people who need to learn more about it. Yeah, so we'll follow up with you once that publication is out there, as well as some of those posts that you've written that you do send to clients. But that is all the time we have for today. But before we finish up, we've got our rapid fire 10 questions so our listeners can get to know you a bit better. Are you ready, Carrie? Uh, I'm a little scared. (laughs) (laughs) These are fun questions. These are fun. Okay, first question. Would you rather travel to the future or the past? The past. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? Have a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh, probably Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) What's one of your pet peeves? Oh... I have so many to choose from. <laughs> People who leave doors and drawers open. Ah, yeah. <laughs> what was your first website? The first one I made? Well, afire.org at the, when I first had to do that. What's your favorite time of day? Bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite place? The beach. What's your favorite emoji? Hmm, I think it must probably be the winky eye. <laughs> What's your favorite charity? Where have I been donating? I've been donating to so many lately. Does NPR count as a charity? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) I donate to NPR, so. All right. Last question. Sweet or savory? Savory. Very cool. So that's the end of our show. Thanks for joining us, Carrie. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. In case our listeners want to follow up with you, where can they find you online? So my website is tonzenconsulting.com. That's T-A-N-Z-E-N consulting.com or you can reach me on Twitter at Carrie HD and or on LinkedIn at Carrie Hain. And I just want to mention you guys should follow her because she's real strong on social media. Lots of good 
good information that's food for thought for us as designers or developers, but also like good things to pass along to clients. So yeah, follow Carrie on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever. I think your social media game is real strong. Yeah, so I agree. Thanks again for joining us, Carrie. This was great uh, information. I uh, appreciate you being on. All right. Thanks again for having me. Control Click is produced by Bright Umbrella, a web services agency obsessed with happy clients. Today's episode would not be possible without the support of our hosting partner, Architect, as well as our listeners. If you want to know more about Control Click, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Control Clickcast or visit our website, controlclickcast.com. And if you liked this episode, choose a tier on patreon.com slash controlclickcast so we can create more content you love. We can also use your reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or both. Links are in our show notes. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode when we dive into the technical execution of our controlclickcast.com mobile refresh in part two. You don't want to miss this. Be sure to check out controlclickcast.com slash upcoming for more topics. This is Leah Alcantara and Emily Lewis signing off for Control Clickcast. See you next time. Cheers. 